Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, everyone, to episode 60 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I am your host, Jack Rico, and thank you for discovering, downloading, and listening to our show. Two huge stories that are the talk of the nation this week. One, Star Wars The Last Jedi. Most of this podcast is going to be dedicated to Star Wars The Last Jedi. But I also have to talk about Giancarlo Stanton. Baseball's National League MVP was traded to the Yankees this week to create a potential World Series dynasty for the foreseeable future. By the way, Vegas already has betting odds on the Yankees winning the World Series next year, and when they do that, when Vegas does that, everybody's in. But let's begin with Star Wars The Last Jedi. I had a chance to see it this Monday night, December 11th, and it was at the first private screening that Disney had set up for the press. Everybody was there. I saw Al Roker and his son uh, head over there, Everybody that you could possibly know from the media, from the press, it was a who's who of the media at this one theater. A lot of people weren't supposed to bring in guests. A lot of others did. Everybody was collecting phones at the front. They were giving out bands. It's like when you go to a nightclub and they give you like a band over your wrist. That's what they were giving out. It was one of the few times for a movie screening that they had ever done that. When I was making the line... I had to go up four flights of stairs where the line was ending just to get in. It was insanity. I think I have pictures on my Twitter. If you go to my Twitter at Jack Rico Official, you'll see them. But utterly bananas. It was crazy. So I want to first talk to Adam Garcia. He's a producer over at Yahoo Entertainment who lives and breathes Star Wars. If you want to know anything about Star Wars, this is the man to talk to. Then we'll get into our movie segment, First Reaction, where I give you my first reaction of the movie inside the theater with the credits rolling and the score of John Williams just blasting. It's it, The idea here is hopefully you get to get our first impressions while hopefully through the power of your headphones feel like you're sitting right next to us and you're just kind of hearing our opinions at that moment. Uh, which are fresh in our minds. Uh, I'm with Michael Sargent, Mike Sargent from WBAI Radio, and you've seen him on Fox News. He imparts his wisdom and his overview of what he thought and the role that this film has uh, in the franchise and in pop culture at large. Adam, I start with you, though. You were in the theater last night describing your own words, your reaction, and the reaction from the press during and after seeing this film. Um, I, what I saw was just utter shock and surprise. Uh, one of my coworkers who was with me was, uh, cried uh, 17 times. That's not including her gasps and her, uh, laughter. 
Um, so overall, was, like emotional touch points, we're, we're, we're beyond 25 closing in on 30 moments it, where she it, emotionally broke. Exactly. And I felt that was the case with the entire audience where everyone was going through a very emotional journey. Um, it, it, it's a roller coaster. And that mirrored my own experience where I felt like at every point, the entire audience was like, I don't know what's happening next. And that's a very, very exciting feeling to have when you see a Star Wars film, let alone a film in general, uh, where you just don't expect what's going to happen next. And I felt the entire audience on the edge of their seat. There's a lot of laughter, like I mentioned. There was a lot of uh, gasps, but there's a lot of silence. And that to, that is because everyone's just like, I don't want to miss what's happening. Right. Um, what did you and, what what was the chatter after the lights went on in the theater here in New York City? What were some of the banter that you were having either with coworkers or just overheard other people talk about? In in general, if I were to put a word on it, it was the OMG moment where everyone sort of looked around and was like, did we just see what we saw? There was a sense of I can't believe this film went in these direction, this direction. I can't believe the choices that these characters made were the choices that these characters made. Um, I can't believe certain characters died, certain characters appeared. There was this just sense of complete shock and awe and trying to process all the emotions that we went through. And, you know, even now, a deal, uh, over about, yeah, 12 hours later, I'm still trying to process what I saw. Why I, is that? Why is that? I, you know, I think that what Ryan Johnson did well, and, and, and also... Ryan Johnson, part, the director of the film. And writer. Uh, and also, in part, things to what Abrams sets up is that a lot of this film takes the characters, both old and new, in directions we just don't anticipate with Star Wars. But it, it still feels like a Star Wars film. Um, it still feels at its very core, like, yes, this is the continuation, but you're seeing characters act in ways that you don't expect them to, uh, from Luke to Ray to Kylo Ren to even Leia doing things that either a, you just, these are, again, these are characters that you have fallen, either fallen in love with since the force awakens or since a new hope that are moving in directions that. Either, again, you don't expect, you don't foresee, or doing things that you always wanted to see. Um, I don't know how much you want to get into spoilers at the moment, but like, there's a moment with Leia uh, towards the beginning of the film that I know I've always wanted to see, that I feel like I've been wanting to see since Return of the Jedi, um, and I finally see it. I just felt that what Rian Johnson did was amplify everything that The Force Awakens did and created what I happen to believe is the most satisfying Star Wars film since Empire Strikes Back. Oh, it's, by far. It's the, it's the reason that, that, that people fall in love with movies. Like when you think mm. about movies, you don't think about artistic achievement necessarily. You think about a good fun time at the theater where you can go with your whole yeah. family and eat popcorn and make a night out of it and go to dinner um, and, and then talk about the film on the way home and then go to sleep with those memories and then wake up with those mm -hmm. memories. That's what a movie's supposed to do. And I felt, I haven't felt this great since The Force Awakens, yet I keep on saying that The Force Awakens is the most balanced film of the mm -hmm. new franchise, yeah. but Jedi is the most satisfying 
uh, of the franchise. Let me ask you this. There was yeah. a lot of talk about oversaturation of the Star Wars franchise heading into mm. this movie. In the first quarter of that film, I, I, I didn't know exactly what it wanted to be. Yeah. I was a little underwhelmed. I thought that they hit some emotional markers that weren't rousing necessarily, some appearances that you just didn't clap necessarily. And then when it took off, it, it, it went, I mean, into outer space off. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the oversaturation of Star Wars every single year giving you something that isn't necessarily attached to the in original series, but the spinning offs do, do you think it's too much or, or do you think that this will continue to be as satisfying as, as, as Jedi was? It could, it could go either way. I mean, if Marvel is any example of like how they're able to make a movie, like sometimes some multiple movies in a year that feel very different from the previous, if, if Star Wars does what I hope they'll do, you know, make sure that Rogue One kind of feels like a, a war caper film. The Last Jedi feels like this, just new paradigm in in the Star Wars universe. Uh, and if Han Solo feels completely different, if, if they make sure that every single film feels different than the previous and the one upcoming, if they make sure that it still feels like Star Wars, but it feels different, it, you know, people will still come. It won't feel oversaturated because you won't you won't go expecting the same thing. You know, if I as much as I love force awakens and i love force awakens if every film had sort of been like oh we're, we're doing a new hope redux which again I, i'm okay with with force awakens which goes to a completely different conversation but if every film was like oh the last jedi is just empire strikes redux if rogue one was just like a half version of stuff that we'd seen before then i'd be worried about oversaturation but mm. if they continue to move down this road of like making sure every film feels distinct feels different uh there's gonna be a lot of anticipation what the last jedi does very well is that it leaves the universe in a place where i legitimately have no idea what is next you know after the force awakens i'm like oh i, I kind of see where this might be go i kind of have an idea what things might happen uh but because of what the character choices the story choices that are made within the last jedi nine feels completely different and that also kind of makes me excited for han solo the solo film that's right dude and i almost yeah. forgot about this yeah uh, project and, seriously There's yeah so and much the, going on exactly and the reason why i'm almost excited about that's like well if the last jedi can take this many much risks if if kathleen kennedy can say to ryan johnson let's go, go crazy right um i have more Faith that Solo will have those chances, that uh, Episode Nine will have those chances, and that Ryan Johnson's own trilogy will have those chances. Uh, will take those risks. So it, it, the Last Jedi sort of says to me, like Kathleen Kennedy is okay with taking risks, is with okay with thinking outside our pre preconceived notions of what a Star Wars film should be. Um, do you think this movie will crack the $200 million mark the way The Force Awakens did? I, I think so. And partially because The Force Awakens was so well-received, the buzz around this is uh, so high and so well-earned uh, that people will be going to see this uh, because they want to see the next chapter in the Skywalker saga. Um, and because there are people like myself who are going to see it multiple times because there is so much to dissect in this movie. Yeah, man. There's so much to unwrap, unspool from so many 
the, the thing about this one compared to the other ones, it was so many plot twists that were coming yeah. out of nowhere. Every moment was, I mean, if there was gasps, a lot of the gasps were because we just didn't see so many things coming. Yeah. And one and of it, them had to do with a major character where it was like, whoa, you guys just pulled that off underneath yeah. our noses? How did that yeah. happen? And also, it's it, and, that, and that's a big thing. It's like sometimes plot twists in films can sort of like if you see it happen, it's like, oh, my God, that's shocking. But if you go back and if it doesn't line up, it doesn't work. Where I feel like the plot twists, the character choices, the the huge just changes that happen do feel like they've been set up the entire time. So it doesn't feel like when the I believe that I know what moment you're talking about when that happens you're like yeah yeah no I can I believe this character choice I believe this plot twist because you've earned it you put the work in Adam uh, I know you're really busy thank you so much uh, for for first of all I bumped into you at the end yeah. and and uh, if if I may share what we experienced together <laughs> I literally stayed. In the theater, uh, doing a movie review with Mike Sargent uh, from WBAI and Fox, um, and we kind of just did a quick first reaction review, which a lot of you listeners will listen to right after the segment. Um, I probably stayed till the lights went on, and then when I walked out, I know there was a crowd of people just waiting to pick up their phones because one of the security checks was that you had to hand in your phone, and I bumped into you, and the first thing we did was just... We didn't utter a word. We just hugged each other. Yes, that was that was the most epic bear hug after and, Star Wars movie. And after that, I hugged your friend Ethan, who works yes. with you at Yahoo and is a friend of mine at NIFCO. And then I ended up hugging this woman that I had never seen <laughs> in my life. Yes. And, and and I think what was what that was was this Star Wars love was yeah. this understanding that Rian Johnson and Disney and 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 the Star Wars franchise nailed it. Yep. And that level of camaraderie without saying a word is what I think that the audience will feel if they're fans yeah. uh, of a job well damn done, man. Yeah. That's yeah. rare to see in movies today. Like, look at the Justice League and the disappointment that was. But this, yeah. oh my God, this was like on the crest of a wave, man, that you were just riding. Ugh. Exactly. And, and and to to quickly to your point, like the Justice League, at every point you kinda like, I know where this is going. There was no surprises in that film. Right. Where at, at this point, uh there is so many points in this movie where the the floor was the rug was pulled out from under me. I had no idea what I was going to mm-hmm. do. Agreed. Um and then there was all these things that like I am like, Yes, such there's this one thing at the end that I was I literally pumped my fist in the air. It was like, This is what I've wanted to see my whole life and then they do something but and then literally the next moment is they do something i never wanted to see and i'm like you know what you've earned this you've earned this thing that i was like i don't want to see this 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 upsets me but it's the right choice right now are you gonna write a review for this what is your coverage of this because i i want to read and just consume everything that's i want you to brain dump and then i just want (laughs) to read the brain dump i probably will be helping out on some of the uh the articles that we'll be writing up about like all the big plot twists, the big surprises, the the shocking moments. I'm not sure if I'll be writing a review. Uh, I would be surprised. If- you should just do one like on Facebook, man, or I something like that, I- and just dump it on there so I so we can read it. I will probably do it after I see it on Thursday the second time because I really – I honestly don't want to spoil it for anyone. I don't want anyone to have any preconceived notion going in. Um, if you see my own Facebook 
or my Twitter feed. I have really haven't really said that I was even seeing the movie. I was just being coy. I'm like, oh, I'm very busy right now <laughs> um, because I because as someone who loves stars who and hates spoilers, there is some. I'm so glad that I went in as clean as I did. You know, I, I've only and even as someone who has watched all the trailers because of work, who has to like you know analyze this stuff. I still went in uh, and came out completely shocked and I want to yeah. preserve that for others. All right, cool, man. Uh, that, that, that is an agreement right there. Uh, Adam Garcia, producer of Yahoo Entertainment, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, look forward to reading something from you in the next couple of days. Quilt, my pleasure, sir. All right, Adam, take it easy, man. When I found you, I saw raw, untamed power. And beyond that, something truly special. We are literally here inside AMC's Lincoln Square, sitting center front row seat, thanks in courtesy to Mike Sargent, who's right next to me, film critic extraordinaire. And we have just finished seeing arguably one of the greatest Star Wars films ever, ever cemented on film. And I, I need to hear your initial first reactions of how you feel about this movie right now. Well, all right. I have to say, first of all, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. It's part of why I love movies, part of why I'm a film critic and a filmmaker. Uh, this was probably the most satisfying Star Wars film I've seen since Empire. Since Empire. I think Empire. I think Empire is the peak Star Wars film. It is. But this one rivals it in a way that The Force Awakens doesn't. Oh, absolutely. The Force Awakens, you know, I respected what it was doing. It was relaunching a series. Uh, it hit a lot of the same notes. But here, where what makes this Star Wars, like they've got Star Wars down to a science now. Like certain elements, you're in the universe, there's certain story beats, it's serialized action adventure this gives you everything you want everything adventure romance comedy action pathos drama character development surprises set up set up even down to the geeky stuff like that blue milk that yeah. he's been drinking since the first film you figure out where that comes from so I, I found it. This is probably the most satisfying since Empire. That's my initial reaction. I was having an initial problem with the first quarter of the film, which I didn't feel it delivered on all the touch points, on the, all the emotional touch points. I was underwhelmed to a certain extent. I was waiting for the payoff. But when the... When the, it gets going. When it gets going, it not only gets going, I mean, it's box office. It's... It's, they threw everything at this movie that they could think of creatively, emotionally, nostalgically. There was nothing that these dudes did not think of. Rian Johnson, my man, if I ever see you, Absolutely. I am tipping my hat off to you. Absolutely. And they threw everything. It's, it's, it's as good as any box office, summer box office almost feel like to it that you'll ever get out of a Star Wars film. Absolutely. You know, and as you're talking, I'm thinking, you know, it delivers on all the things you want from a Star Wars film, plus 
things you didn't expect. Absolutely. And what they did so well was the ability to combine the old and the new. Almost every scene was, you know, C-3PO and Luke Skywalker. I'm sorry. Uh, it was like Luke Skywalker and certain other ones. But th there were moments that you could see the new generation and the old generation meeting face to face. And it was so awesome because they were handing off the torch. And the fact that they do that so poetically and so harmoniously is something very impressive. Uh, it is. And, and what's also impressive is as we're sort of acknowledging that passing of the torch, we're being introduced to new characters who we like almost as much as the old characters. And they're characters who are different than what we see on film in science fiction. I don't want to give much away, but a lot already has. But I, I have to say, I really, really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. All right, now let's talk about what do we think that this movie is going to do in terms of the box office? And well, what is it going to do in terms of what the whole franchise means? Well, I think, you know, Star Wars is positioned to be the sort of the ultimate movie, okay? And here's what I mean by that. It's got the history. It's got generations. You know, I heard somebody talking about a Star Wars father, and I didn't even realize that that's a thing, but clearly it's a thing. So... You know, it's it's going to get the older, the younger, the coming up generation. Right, the, but the, the quadrant is what the they quadrant, call it in Hollywood. Exactly. It's going to get all of that. But at the same time, because it's now, because it's social media, and because things can catch on so quickly, word of mouth. The word of mouth on this is going to be... Bananas. Bananas. Berserk. It's just and, absolutely... And it's, uh, you have to see this Star Wars film, especially if you've even missed some, and we're disappointed by some, because look, it's... You can, you can hear the people still clapping. I mean, look, here you can hear that? Yeah. That's the satisfaction level from press critics Ooh, who exactly. aren't the most effusive exactly. in any single way. Um, I agree with you 100%. But... Just to kind of finalize this, where does this <laughs> your your last impressions on the film? Um, how do you think that people are going to receive this? Well, I think people are going to receive it because you know the other underlying theme of Star Wars is rising up against absolute power and power that that pushes you down or demoralizes you. And I think that theme, you know, is part of what makes good science fiction, but I also think that that's part of what Star Wars has always been. And I think today, more than ever, right. it's going to resonate. So I oh. think that it's pop culture, it's fantasy, but everybody's going to relate to today. I, I think what you said was right, Mike. This is the ultimate it is. It's the movie. Ultimate movie. It's the ultimate movie, they the ultimate franchise. Right. They did no, everything, everything right. They, everything. I don't know if you can come up with anything else that they didn't throw at this that, that played perfect. well. It's a perfect film. It, it's a perfect, film. It's, oh, <laughs> it's a perfect wow. Film. I mean, for what it is, it's the genre it is, it's the universe it is, and they get everything right. Will we see it at the Oscars? Will this, how, where do you think this, how far will this film make it? I don't know that it'll be at the Oscars, but I think it's going to be, before its run is done, it'll be in the top three most money-making films of all time. 
I totally agree. I think it might crack the 200 million mark. Uh, easily. It first, it'll, the, be, it'll get there faster than anything ever has. Ladies and gentlemen, understand, press critics, were, it was, there was close to a standing ovation as I've ever seen in anything. That's right. And the, there must have been how many applauses during the film? Like Please. five, six? Applauses, gasps. Gasps. There was a gasp in the back left corner of the theater. Yeah. Everybody heard it. It was like an echo, right? It's definitely going to hit every button and every note. It's the perfect film. All right. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. We're here once again at the AMC Lincoln's Low Square, having finalized the viewing of Star Wars The Last Jedi. It was the first screening here in New York City. And I sign off uh, seeing what the next chapter of the Star Wars franchise awaits for us. This was an amazing moment to share with you as yes, film critics definitely. because this is why it, this is what the movies were made for. Absolutely. This is this this, this is film. How we fell in love with movies. This is how we fell in love with movies. And with that said, may the force be with you. May the force be with you. Stanton has one homer at Yankee Stadium in his career, but there is a deal in place for him to hit a whole bunch more. Marlins agreeing to a trade, sending Stanton to New York in exchange for infielder Starlin Castro and two Yankee prospects. Just needs the NL MVPs okay to make the swap official. Looks like he's going to do that. This week, Major League Baseball fans were shook to their knees when Giancarlo Stanton from the Miami Marlins, the freshly announced National League MVP, was traded to my New York Yankees for a reported $295 million while creating what could be one of the greatest lineups in modern baseball history. I know how New York feels about the news, but what about Miami fans? Has this been devastating for them? With LeBron and Dwayne Wade leaving the heat and Stan now leaving for better pastures, how is Miami coping sports-wise? Joining me now is Christian Moreno, reporter for ESPN Radio, who lives in Miami and covers the city's sports beat. Christian, thanks for coming back on the show, man. Uh, what is the Miami perspective on the Stanton deal? Well, this is going to be maybe a shocker to some, but um, uh, you used to be very big into wrestling, right? Mm-hmm. So, as you know, the worst thing that can happen to a wrestler is when he gets no type of reaction in whatsoever. I kind of feel this would be a perfect analogy for this, because it's like right now, the buzz I'm feeling about this is almost non-existent. You know what? I'll, I'll say this. It's like, oh, okay, they traded. Ah, no problem. That was only to be expected. Wow. Okay, I'll tell you this. In New York, there's a semi-buzz about it, but the buzz, the way A-Rod landed in New York, where was right. it felt like it was breaking news, where people were breaking their current programming, whether it was radio, whether it was the internet, whether it was television, any platform, people were breaking into their programming to talk about the right. A-Rod deal and what that meant for New York. Um, the greatest, this Stanton greatest feels like we got, we got a great player and we should be happy about it, but there's other things to, to, to be concerned about. You know, the Knicks, the Giants, how do they treat Eli? Uh, yeah, the, the, and I can see that. There's just the so reality, much more yeah. news going on in New York that I feel that this has been given some attention, but it hasn't been given the full 
on focus attention in New York. Giancarlo is not over with the fans. So I can see the news being like, oh, great, we got the big home run guy. Uh, oh, uh, well, he's likely going to be very interesting. Uh, yeah, we're going to make the playoffs. But the talk per se of him, he has no personality in whatsoever. Uh, he can actually pass as a very concerted effort dick by all means and standards, especially because of the approach that he takes. He has a very small fan-appealing approach. He feels too robotic. There is a lot of things that are wrong that I want to think that likely New York, given the fact that now he goes to the Mecca, is likely going to assess someone to actually work on the image for the guy and work his personality for him to become a legit star. Because right now he's just the very talented guy that just came off a monster season, but that no one gives an F about. Now, let me That's ask you. That's I think the problem. Did, did, did Miami fans love Stanton, or do they have a mixed feelings about him? The problem consistently with Stanton, again, he does not have star power as far as outside from baseball itself, and not even in baseball because he's not even – a personality, and obviously, additionally, coming from playing with such a small franchise does no favors. Again, he now goes to the Mecca, so I can see that changing because the Yankees are going to want to exploit as much as they can of this maybe reincarnation of the Bash Bros, McGuire and Conseco mm-hmm. back in the day. Maybe the the closest comparison to this, uh, though these two are likely much more skill set uh, above or at least a bit more talented to what they can actually accomplish. But uh, the general feeling in, in Miami, I would say it's, it's disturbing because if I would be the Miami ownership and I would see kind of like a pale comparison of such a low standard to the fact that this guy was traded and, yeah, we were expecting he was going to be traded, it feels kind of sad. What's the word on Jeter? Here in New York... Obviously, you know we love Jeter, um, and everybody oh, yeah, er, and and everybody is like, "Thank you, Jeter, Mister December," is what they're calling him. But in Miami, yeah. when he arrived, was he loved when he arrived? I know there's a lot of New Yorkers in Miami, and what is the sentiment about him now? Or is it myth that this whole story that he's now hated because he gave away their top dog to the Yankees was all a conspiracy theory? I mean. Where does Jeter lie in the eyes of Miami? Well, here's something funny, and I actually tweeted about it. I think it was either last week or the weekend before that. Um, Jeter brought that kind of like New York mentality, and I actually wrote, okay, the guy is doing excessive amount of media-friendly approach. He is doing a media tour. That only concerns the fact that both Gordon and Stanton will be traded by the winter meetings or before, for sure. Boy, was I right. So he was there giving smiles, blah, blah, blah. He was doing all the political things. I think that the fans, unfortunately, so far, there is a fair amount that doesn't care about him. There is another amount that now feels fooled because they were expecting something different which is surprising because do you remember that the group that actually finally bought the, the Marlins 
enters with a $400 million deficit because of the loan they took. So you could only expect a fire sale. So I think the general approach, uh, you know, like just going off of the views, I think he's not very favored down here. I think it's safe to say he would not win any kind of election with popularity or anything. See, this is amazing to me because Jeter's whole reputation is about being the most professional and beloved sports player of his generation. To, To have his reputation get hit so hard as it is right now is a position I, I, as a Yankee fan, I'm not used to, man. Funny enough, the only athlete that I have ever been nervous in any sport, and that includes a bunch of Hall of Famers and Hall of Famers to be in everything, I ever got nervous while interviewing, and I, in fact, told them, was Derek Cheater, effectively. And boy, did he give me a such nice approach. I told them at one point, I was like, dude, I am so sorry, but legit, I am nervous. I really grew up just watching you. You are the only Boy Scout player I have ever liked by all standards. I mean, when you see the list of players I like, Sammy Sosa, Barry Bonds, Palmero, and all those guys, well, not very much alike with Jeter by no means. So, yeah, and this guy, adding to what you said, he was so nice with me. He was like, hey, you know what? It's good, kid. No problem. You take your time. I have my time for you. Like, he guided Very me cool. through to, to everything. That it, it only takes you ways into seeing, you know? Like, he didn't have to, but he's that much of a gentleman. Now, right. the problem in Stan, bro, is, do you remember something? Since the Marlins have not built tradition in whatsoever, they have a big challenge on that. And you can add to that the fact that you have a city that has way too many partying options. So I would do a very safe bet that there is also a somewhat percent of those bandwagoning fans or whatnot that do not even know at this point or are not educated into it just because the team did so bad again that they don't even know that Derek Jeter is in town. Or at least they don't specifically know what his role is of now handling the Marlins or whatnot. So I think that he's by far in a very bad position, especially because even though he is an extremely minor minor investor, he is the face because he's going to literally be running the team. So, you know, uh, if yeah, he's this a CEO is the best of the career move and investor. Yeah. So is this the best career move he did? Well, time will be definitely the best teller to the story. Now, in the short run of these two months short-lived, I think that, unfortunately, the the impression has been very bad, and I think that he is going to face a lot of rejection in the upcoming season. And that is thus to say, if they continue doing a few more deals with the very little they have left, which would be the Azunas, the Yelich, Yelich more likely than not because he's already signed to that extension, but Azuna... Uh, he could actually also be a free agent candidate, and he already came up that monster season, which was overshadowed by Stan, but Osuna had 130 ribbies. Like, the only thing that Giancarlo had in, in many ways uh, to him was that he had those uh, 20-something home runs that he actually caught up uh, in front of Osuna, but Osuna had a stud season. So there you go, another guy that could also be shipped out away, and that's only going to hurt Jeter's value. 
So again, man, like for Jeter itself, uh, it's a tough scratch the surface so far. So what happens now with the Miami Marlins? Will Miami fans go to the stadium? Uh, will the stadium be empty? Uh, is this rebuilding process that they're going to do with Jeter something that they're excited about? The fans, they don't go to the stadium here. Even though that you can get very cheap seats, hell, you can actually enter Marlins Park for a buck. And I'm not even exaggerating. But you know that and when that Stanton a- and the Yankees all-star team comes rolling around with the circus, with the press circus, down to Miami, and Stan bats for the very first time against those Miami fans, you know it's going to be yeah. a packed house. It's going to be televised. Yeah, it's going it to be like... Is. Yeah, like the only full house guaranteed always in, in Miami is always the Yankees. They're the only ones that legit are a sellout. Uh, the Red Sox, when they come in town, they get close. They get maybe 85 90% of the stadium. Uh, the Dodgers fall kind of like to the 80% of the stadium. To mention the Braves, since there's a lot of people that are relocated from up there now here, always have a very, very good uh, fan base, especially much more fans of them than the, of the few Marlins. So, like, aside from that, you see a lot of depressing assistance that you go like, wow, people really don't care about baseball here. And again, you can get into Marlins Park by $1, $2, $5. And this is a small stadium seat-wise. Anywhere where you sit of the 37,000 seats they have, you're going to see the game just fine. You can be up there touching the ceiling. And this stadium is so well-built, thank God the franchise actually has something good, that you can see the stadium, uh, the game very well from wherever you're at. And it's a cheap price when you think about it. In fact... Uh, you're going to spend maybe more in parking with 10, 15 bucks and you likely will spend in tickets wise. And all, all aside, the problem is still going to be Jack. Now you're going to have less attractions. It's now Gordon's out. Stanton is out. So you got Ozuna and Yelich left and Real Muto is still not over. So what else can you actually do to attract fans? I think that Miami is looking at a long process unless they actually hit the the jackpot with the guys they're getting in now from the Yankees and from the other trades of Gordon, whoever else they actually trade for, because they have a very weak farm system, one of the weakest right now. So it's not looking good in the short run unless some miracles start happening. Stalin Castro, I am worried as a person for him because he was able to actually keep his composure the Yankees because of the dis- discipline they applied. Remember, this guy had a lot of off-field issues when he was at the Cubs. So now coming to Miami, all the primos and all that, let's see how much that becomes of a problem unless Derek Jeter actually continues that dogma that he actually learned the Yankees and applies it towards the Marlins. I'm, I'm worried for the kid for that perspective. Hopefully he actually keeps the good mindset. The kids they got in the trade and both trades, the Gordon trade and Sand trade, they're interesting, but are they players that are going to be making a, a splash anytime soon? No, not really, at least not in paper. So there's few to be excited about in the short run, aside from maybe seeing if Ozuna can uh, repeat that season he had this year, if Yelich can actually go through and have another good season. But aside from that, those two players are not over with the fans either. Real Muto is very good, one of the best 
young talent catchers out there, but he's not over either. So you're facing a lot of things with a team that is once again in uh, 20, uh, 24 year history. You're facing a team that maybe in those 24 years they've been in what a rebuild 23 out of 24 years. And I'm not even exaggerating maybe when you think about the numbers. So, you know, it can be a big problem to actually have a respectable fan base among that. How much the baseball advanced media and all that is actually worth, I think that we're also going to be seeing that. If not, I think that in a short time, maybe we might even see the the, uh, the Marlins being reshipped because how much of this investment they're getting back I don't know because they already entered 400 mil in debt. So there's going to be a lot of guys wanting to actually get that money back and get that loan off their back. So it's a very complex hurricane mess. So different of what you could actually say to the real team, the Yankees. Christian Moreno, ESPN. Where else can uh, yes, people uh, uh, check you, you out? You have a check podcast. Out my podcast on Filter Sports Talk is Christian. Uh, and you can also check, if you're into Spanish, Aquí se habla deportes. They are both of independent contact. We always have a very nice guest. Jack has already been in the show. That was a complete and absolute delight for myself and for the fan base. <laughs> Thank you for the invite. Oh, yeah, man. And um, like I told you before, I have not seen Justice League. I don't know when I will see it. I am bound to see a Star Wars movie. You got to see it when it comes in Blu-ray because I think the focus right now is to watch Star Wars. That's going to make up that's going to make up for everything else. All right, Christian, thank you so much for giving us the Miami perspective on this Stanton deal. Uh we're definitely going to enjoy it. I feel bad for Miami, but uh now they have a clean slate a rebuilding process, so let's see how that goes. All right, Chris. Follow me at Christian Moreno D, no H, D as in dog. Have a great one, and just stay tuned to the Highly Relevant Podcast. That's it for Episode 60 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I'd like to thank Adam Garcia, Mike Sargent, and Christian Moreno for taking time out to be on our show, and thank you guys for listening from your favorite streaming platform. I'd love to hear from you. Send me your questions or feedback to highlyrelevant at showbizcafe.com. That's email highly relevant at showbizcafe.com also if you like this u.s latino podcast please share it on your social media apps tell your friends all about it if you can have them subscribe to the show it's the only way we'll get our audience to continue to grow for our show hope you enjoy your weekend and stay connected with us via showbizcafe.com enjoy your weekend and see you next week on another episode of highly Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. 
Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.